From Quoted Studios and executive producer David Gerlach, this is Blank on Blank, distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. I'm Amy Drozdowska. If you've ever been to Illinois, you'll know all about the defining features of its landscape. Namely, that there are none. The whole place is pretty much flat. Not a mountain, not a hill in sight. But architect Frank Lloyd Wright did something really new when he made buildings that somehow became one with the prairie. Long, low lines. Interiors that brought the light and space of the outside in. And with the same approach, he built homes in the woods around waterfalls, on high bluffs that take in the stretch and space of the land below. And if you've ever visited one of his houses, you'll know how they managed to make you understand more about exactly where you live. As part of our special series, The Experimenters, uncovering interviews with the icons of science, technology, and innovation, we found this 1959 interview with Frank Lloyd Wright. It's part of a collection celebrating the Mike Wallace interview, a TV program that ran back in the late 50s. Frank Lloyd Wright's designs and style seem very nice, very clean now. But at the time, he was a controversial personality. And like most famous architects, his work was hated as much as it was respected. And that's what Mike Wallace wanted to talk about. Here's the tape. Would you agree with me that a pretty fair share of our audience tonight don't even want to or cannot understand you? What do you think of these people? I don't think they matter as far as I'm concerned. I don't think they're for me, and why should I be for them? Somebody said the museum out here on Fifth Avenue looked like a washing machine. This one that you're building? That's one of my buildings. Well, I've heard a lot of that type of reaction, and I've always discounted it as worthless, and I think it is. I think any man who really has faith in himself will be dubbed arrogant by his fellows. I think that's what happened to me. Fellow architects have called him everything from a great poet to an insupportable windbag. The clergy has deplored his morals, creditors have deplored his financial habits, politicians his opinions. When you come to New York, as you did today, and you see the skyline of New York, this does not excite you, this does not exalt you in any uh, manner. does not, because it never was planned. It's all a race for rent. And it is a great monument, I think, to the power of money and greed, trying to substitute money for ideas. I don't see an idea in the whole thing anywhere, do you? What's the idea? The idea is obviously, it would seem to me, that a lot of people want to live together, as you point out, to make their livings. From time immemorial, people have flocked, more or less, to one spot to exchange ideas as well as goods. But, my dear Mark, there was a justification for that. When there was no other means of communication than by personal contact. That's when the plan for this city you're living in now originated. It originated back there in the Middle Ages. If our modern improvements, or what shall we call them, advantages, are advantageous, we can't get it here in this city anymore. I understand that last week, in all seriousness, you said, 
If I had another 15 years to work, I could rebuild this entire country. I could change the nation. I did say that. And it's true, having had now the experience going with the building of 769 buildings, it's quite easy for me to shake them out of my sleeve, and it's amazing what I could do for this country. I think the way of life to which the country is committed needs that change. I wouldn't like to change so much the way we live as what we live in and how we live in it. You're saying that practically everyone in the United States is out of step except Frank Lloyd Wright. Not at all. Don't say anything of the kind. It isn't their job to build. It's mine. The average man, the common man, I think that you have sometimes called him part of the mobocracy. Part of the mob. Uh, I believe what you call the common man is what I call the common man. A man who believes in nothing he can't see, and he can't see anything he can't put his hand on. Would you agree with He's me? He's a block to progress. Of course, you don't really believe that you could succeed in imposing your ideas on what you call the mob, no. do you, Mr. Wright? I don't think the mob knows anything of architecture, cares anything about it. I think it's going to be many, many years before the mob will ever get near architecture. And very few architects in the world know anything about it. I've been accused of saying I was the greatest architect in the world, and if I had said so, I don't think it would be very arrogant, because I don't believe there are many, if any. For 500 years, what we call architecture has been phony. Phony in what sense? In the sense that it was not innate, it wasn't organic, it didn't have the character of nature. We don't really understand what it is to live in an organic building with organic character. Well, now, organic building, organic character, these are words which the mobocracy perhaps would have difficulty... Well, let's say natural. Does that suit you better? I understand that you attend no church. I attend the greatest of all churches, and I put a capital N on nature and call it my church, and that's my church. And because my church is elemental, fundamental, I can build for anybody a church. What do you think of church architecture in the United States? I think it's a great shame because it is a parrot and monkey reflection and no reflection of religion. Something immediately comes to mind, and I am not a Catholic, but when I walk into St. Patrick's Cathedral here in New York City, I am enveloped in a feeling of reverence. Sure, it isn't an inferiority complex. You feel nothing when you go into St. Patrick's? Regret. Because it isn't the thing that really represents the spirit of independence and the sovereignty of the individual, which I feel should be represented in our edifices devoted to culture. I'd like to have a free architecture. I would like to make it appropriate to the Declaration of Independence, to the center line of our freedom. I'd like to have architecture that belonged where you see it standing and was a grace to the landscape instead of a disgrace. And the letters we receive from our clients tell us how those buildings we build for them have changed the character of their whole life and our whole existence. That is different now than it was before. Well, I'd like to do that for the country. Mr. Wright, suppose you were approached by one of your students who felt pessimistic about his future because of the hydrogen bomb, the threat of war, the world's general insecurity. And he came to you and he said, help me to understand, give me something to live by. What could you tell him? I don't put a line on a drawing board that the answer isn't there. The answer is within yourself, within the nature of the thing that you yourself represent as yourself. 
That's where architecture lies. That's where humanity lies. That's where the future we're going to have lies. If we're ever meant to amount to anything, it's there now, and all we have to do is to develop it. Architect and visionary Frank Lloyd Wright, a guest on the Mike Wallace interview back in 1957. Wallace's TV program ran from that year until 1960. Thanks to the Harry Ransom Center at the University of Texas at Austin for working with us on this piece. This is the home for the Mike Wallace interview collection. Wonderful conversations with Aldous Huxley, Eleanor Roosevelt, and other interesting people of that period. And they posted them all online. This episode is part of our Science and Innovation series, The Experimenters. Thanks again to Squarespace for their support. Support for this series also comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science, technology, and economic performance. More information on Sloan at sloan.org. You can watch the animated version of this episode on our website, blankonblank.org. David Gerlach is the executive producer of Blank on Blank. This episode was produced by me, Amy Drozdowska, along with David, and with help from Jesse Wright Mendoza. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and learn just what we're uncovering lately in the archives. Before we go, Mike Wallace throws a few final questions to Frank Lloyd Wright, including one that may have managed to insult him a bit. As an intellectual yourself, Mr. Wright, what do you think of President... I the allegation and I refuse to marry that girl. <laughs> what do you think of... I don't like intellectuals. You don't like intellectuals? Why not? Because they're superficial. They're up top. They're from the top down, not from the ground up. I've always flattered myself that what I represented was from the ground up. Does that mean anything? I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> Are you afraid of death? Not at all. I won't Whitman as the guide on that. If you want to talk, consult him reading. Do you believe in, in your personal immortality? Yes. You believe in so far as I am immortal, I will be immortal. To me, young has no meaning. It's something you can do nothing about, nothing at all. But youth is a quality. And if you have it, you never lose it. And when they put you into the box, that's your immortality. Thank you.